Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey friends, welcome to the Tenzin Vegas Podcast. This is a special edition post women's tournament. We're recording this like literally 15 minutes after Coco Goff just hit the winning point. I watched her grab the trophy right now and uh, Owen's pretty happy about it. What's up, man? Hey, man. How are you? Yeah. Um, oh, that was amazing. That was so nice to see you, wasn't it? Like, oh my God. Uh, we we were on a Twitter space midway through the match. Uh, did you think that was going to happen after the first set? Oh, boy. Absolutely not. I mean, I just think that. I thought Coco was just being overpowered, and I was like, "That I don't see a way that she can get out of this." But she, I think she kind of thought about Djokovic, Medvedev, Caroline Bosniaki, and like Serena Williams, and then uh, Victoria Azarenka. All these people that like can become like really good defensively as well, and just just started doing that. And um, by the third set, she was just dictating. She was the one. She, it wasn't in, in her hands, even though she wasn't necessarily hitting the hardest. Like. You could tell that, like, Arena just, Sabalenka had no idea, like, where to hit, like, what to do. Like, she was lost. Like, she was hitting as hard as always. She wasn't missing that much uh, in terms of, like, her rally shots weren't bad. But it was just kept coming back, kept coming back. And, you know, like, at the end of the day, like, Coco was the better player. Like, zero doubt about that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, did you see the point? The first point in the 5 3 game when Coco was serving for the second set, they had a forehand to forehand rally and Goff just hit a winner down the line. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think anyone thought that was going to happen against yeah. Sebel because forehand. Um, yeah, that was amazing. Um, I mean, I think she's the best defender on tour right now. She's so fast. Some of these yeah. are crazy. Um, I mean, uh, Sabalenko was putting like overheads into the net and like early in the first set because the defense was like already heading into the next. Um, and then, yeah, the way she sort of like took over down the stretch was, uh, that was pretty special. Yeah. So, um, I actually checked you were, you know, on the last podcast, you had picked, um, Sabalinka to win against Iga Shriantak in the net pick final. Uh, but I'm pretty sure you said like at some point, I'm going to have to go back and check in again that you thought maybe this is Coco's time. Um, I remember something around the on those lines. I'm not sure if it was recorded, but uh, I do remember you saying something like that. But like, uh-huh. as she was going through the draw, I, I thought um, not to go into like a super deep, lengthy uh, U.S. Open final review, but like, um, as in like U.S. Open tournament review. But um, as she was going through, I was like, well, I have seen this before. Like, she has played a Grand Slam final before. She is not unheard of that Coco would go deep in a, in a Grand Slam draw, but she she definitely looked different. Um, I guess it's always hard to say in hindsight, but I, I, I always, I had the feeling that she believed that she 
she could be the champion. She was really taking it one more match at a time. Um, uh, when she was going in against Sabalink, I thought, well, it's good that she believes, but I, I don't. <laughs> but like, I guess she, she had a very sweet message about those people who, who didn't believe in her at the end. Yeah. Although, <laughs> I'm not included in that because I, I always thought that she had the potential to, to do this before. I, but I just didn't believe it was now. <laughs> I thought it was going to take like another season for it to happen. But yeah, man, impressive. Yeah, the speed of the progress was pretty amazing this summer. Um, I mean, so she, like, and I did have her as a contender before the tournament started, but I had her below Iga, uh, Sabalenka, Nurbakina, um, and maybe even below on Shibber as well. Um, but in the middle of her match against Caroline Wozniacki, I sort of had a moment where, um, you know, she was down a break at the very start of the third set of that match. Um, I think Wozniacki was serving like 1-0, 30-15, and Brad Gilbert is like, put some more air under your shots. And she just comes out with like these back-to-back, like flat, risky cross-court backhand owners. Um, and I realized like during that stretch that like I just thought she was gonna win. Like I didn't really have like that match, not that tournament. I didn't really have an explanation for it, but like, you know, you had Wozniacki defending so well, playing really well, was up a break in the third, and I I still just thought Goff was gonna win. Um and when she came through that match, I was like, okay, yeah, you know, she's still, she's a contender, still a contender. Then when Iga lost, I'm like, okay, draws it. That break. opens up a lot, yeah. Um, and then when she just demolished Ostapenko, it's like, okay, like now it's, it could definitely be happening. Um, but then, but then the semi wasn't like her best match. And the first set of the final was tough too. She was really, really being overpowered. Um, and wasn't she, she was down break points at the start of the second set too, wasn't she? Uh, yeah, I think she had to fend off like a double break. I think she was fifteen forty down or something like that. Yeah, some uh, something along those lines. But it, it wasn't the best start either. But it started to change a little bit towards the first set. But I thought it's probably not going to be enough. I think Sublake is going to be able to hold her serve at the very least, which also didn't have happen. Um, I, I what happened? Like I felt like the semifinal was her most difficult match. I found like um. Well, not obviously that she was down a break against uh, Gosniaki, but um, of of the second week, I thought like the the semifinal was so nervy. Like Mugo yeah. was extremely tense, and so was Golf. I think like the the thought of like reaching the final, and maybe it took her losing the first set for her to like maybe wake up or you know just like letting it rip and just kind of like focus on what's what's happening now. Cause, like maybe she was thinking too hard about like her opponent and just the, the how how tough it would be. Um, I think uh, Coco has been Sabalenka maybe at least once before. I'm not sure how it was her head to head, but yeah, I, I think um, this is yeah. the fourth time she's yeah. been her. So yeah, I wasn't. It it wasn't a matchup that I would say, oh, she has absolutely no chance. Like, but I, I thought like the occasion was was going to be too much for her to handle. Whereas I thought Sabalenka was going to be like right on right on it, like from the start, and she was. But then things changed so quickly. I couldn't even believe how how impressive like how mature i guess like uh, as a match big match player coco was at that time i was like man that's impressive the fact yeah. that she's able to just, like go into absolute lockdown mode like just loop in some forehands which weren't aggressive most of the time but then just wouldn't just spray errors all the time which is a great start like i mean if you don't always have to be hitting winners off the time all the time. Like if there's if you can find a game plan that works in that way, just just do it. Like Djokovic does it all the time. Like why not? It works. Yeah. She won the tournament, so 
Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that third set, I don't think she made an unforced error until like the fifth or sixth yeah. game of that third set. Like there was a set at one point where it was like unforced errors in the third set. And it was yeah. like, like a nine golf zero. And I was like, I think it was like, at some point it was like 14 to two. <laughs> I think that says it all. Like yeah. she, I mean, we say a lot, Sabalenka can like hit through anyone. And she's proven that like she can hit through like pretty much anyone. Like she can hit through Iga Shriantag. It's another great defender, but I don't think she can hit through Coco Goff. Yeah. What we saw. I mean, some of those gets were crazy. Um, even when Sabalenka was like winning the point, like, you know, the rallies where it's like the defender makes enough gets that you're just like, okay, the attacker is going to miss. Like, it's uh, yeah. And because yeah. like, um, I, there are a few points where Sabal where I thought that in Sabalenka would still like put it away. But I think that were enough that it was just like she knew she had to hit a tiny target. Um, yeah. I think that something maybe Sabalika could have done a little more. And she did do it a bit more towards the end of the match. Like when she got that break back, one of the breaks back in the third set. I think you have to hit behind Coco more. Um, because I think when you when she gets running back and forth, she's just too fast. Um, and it's too hard to hit a winner. So I think you have to wrong foot her a little more. Um, but man, some of those retrievals were just insane. Yeah. I think it, it, this is going to be a good moment for for Savalinka. Like obviously now she's number one. So uh, I actually even wrote a tweet that like I mean, if there is a season that she could be like, yeah, okay, I guess I lost it, but I'll come back. It's like she already won uh, Australian Open, became number one, reached at least semifinals in every single one of the Grand Slams. Like, is she gonna be waking up tomorrow sad that she didn't win it? But like, I think she's gonna look at some other things and be like. I guess I can leap with that. I mean, at least at least for now, like, and then coming back next year. But there's so much for her to learn from this match because yeah. a player like this, like Coco, um, and now that Coco has won the title, she's just going to run into her a lot more. Like, it's it's not something that she's going to be like, oh, okay, like, she came in, like, as a, a number 80 in the world. We can kind of consider how I want, I want to slam her under. Um, and maybe I'll never have to see her again. But, like, this is a, this is a, yeah. yeah yeah and she's a top 10 player even if she didn't win she was always going to keep be coming back for this so yeah it's definitely a point in, in her career that she has to be like okay how do i beat this kind of player like when yeah. and it's like you could you could make the case that maybe shviantek was somewhat similar but she could still like find those weaknesses in shviantek that maybe aren't there in in coco um in Coco's game, and I, I do feel like she kind of failed to try to find more solutions. I feel like she just maybe started to keep pushing, keep pushing really hard in the same game plan. It, it didn't work. I mean, it's like in the heat of the moment and things like that, but I think it's going to be a really important point mm -hmm. in the future to try and throw in some more slices, like maybe some more drop shots, like just trying to mix it up a bit, even moonballing more. Um, something, something's got to give, like... If, if just hitting as hard as you can doesn't hit a winner, something has to happen. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, first of all, you said um, Goff's like a top 10 player. I think she's six right now. I think she's going to be three soon. So she's like, she's on that top tier now. And um, yeah, about Sabalenka, I think it's interesting. So if someone asks me about her year, the first thing I'm going to say is Australian Open champion, right? Her year, and then the second thing you say is world number one. Her year unequivocally has been a success. But at the same time, it's been a long time since that Australian Open now. She's had three majors in a row where in a late match, semifinal, semifinal, final, she couldn't close. Um, 
and now those are going to be fresher in her mind than that Australian Open, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, sometimes we see with players, like, they win a major and the nerves just kind of go away. Um, that hasn't happened with Sepulika. She still has those issues. And so I'm interested to see what the next move for her is. Um, I agree with you tactically. I think she's got underrated defense. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe, like, I mean, you don't really want to get into, like, a scrap with golf. But I think like lengthening rallies, at least until like she found the accuracy with her forehand again, could have been smart because her forehand went off the boil. She's got a good drop shot. Um, maybe use that a little more. Um, is gonna say cert and volley, but um, that's uh, so losing play if you don't really have like Carlos Alcaraz touch at this point. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I think like you said, I think there's like a lot for her to learn still. Which I think you can take as a compliment because she's so damn good already. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this has been, it's been a really good year for her, but also there's been a lot of pain. So I'm yeah. interested to see what comes next. Yeah. And um, it's, I think one of the good things that um, tennis does offer, I think, is the fact that the Grand Slam is not the end of the season. So it's like there's still some stuff okay. to do. So, for players is is good and there's the good and the bad the bad obviously it's too many matches like people are just like absolutely exhausted at this point but at the same time like there's more opportunities if you can stay fresh or just take a bit off and just come back for the next big title or next big uh, tournament and try to win it try to like apply some uh, some new things and she will have at the very least like the WTA finals that she can try to you know like make a make a big case that like if she is able to end the year as world number one, like I think it's always very good to like end the year with that title. I think it, it's it's good confidence for the next year. It's good confidence for herself to say like, well, I'm especially now that she's become number one without winning the title. Um, uh, it's just like okay, no, I I really do deserve this. I am really that good. I'm really a top player, and people have to beat me now. It's like it has to be okay with having a target on her back at that point. So. Um, it's kind of like Sviantec was and then it started like wobbling a bit but then she kind of came through a lot better than a lot of people thought it would happen so yeah I think it's it's shaping up to be a really good end of the uh, end of the season seeing like what happens who's gonna try to like you know put themselves like in the in the pole position to you know get getting ahead of like the, um, the off season back in the Australian Open in January so mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the WTA Finals is a great opportunity for a lot of players because last year, that was kind of what kicked off Sabalenka's run, right? Like, she beat Iga there uh, 6-1 in the third, I think. Um, And I think that was very much a confidence booster going into 2023. Like, I'm not sure if without that match, like, she wins the Australian Open. Um, And now it's almost like the roles are reversed, right? Like, I feel like... Like, maybe Sviantec could, like, use the WCA finals to remind everyone, like, hey, I'm still here. Like, mm-hmm. I'm still, like, I held number one for, like, 75 weeks, and, like, I'm going to be right back at the top at, like, 2024. Um, if Goff could win it, she could be number one soon, right? Mm-hmm. She's, like, she's at three. Sabalika isn't in the lead by very much, and I think that, I mean, we've talked about why she's vulnerable, Um I think the tours were really, really strong right now. Like there's, um, there are like five or six or seven players at the top who like, I mean, even Pagula, like she figures out that quarterfinal thing. Like she can mm-hmm. take out anyone like Jabur. I think when she's healthy, can beat anyone 
Rivakina once he recovers physically. Like, it's really, really fun at the top right now. Yeah, that's a, it's a really interesting tail end of the season now, especially. I think Goff just made it everything even more interesting, just like asserting himself. He's like one of the top contenders for every title, essentially, at this point. Yeah. So it just adds more, like, you know, fire, you know, gas to the fire thing. It's, it's just everything just looking really, really good for the WTA right now. They have to take that opportunity because, man, it's... It's, it's the narrative is just they're just writing themselves at this point it's just there's there's just so much good goodness right now um and yeah just yeah excited to see how the race goes uh, for number one and for the last few titles of the season yeah me too and in terms of the WTA taking advantage of this like announcing the location for your year-end finals like a month or two before it happens is not not what we're talking about here. yeah like let's, it's, uh, it's it's been a tough like, season for the WTA in that regard but yeah, we'll take the positives and try to boost on those. Try to try to try to bet on those. Like see see how yeah. we can make things you know mitigate all of the the problems that you've had so far. Um, yeah. and just try to you know just pump pump up the marketing on this one right now. There's like start off yeah. like right away. Like this, is, I think it would be a really good opportunity for them to, you know, use this moment. Um, especially with an American champion like America is a really big um. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Sports consumer. So I think it's, it could, it could, you know, it could help them out on that, on that regard. So, yeah. Um, and, and I think like, um, so I'm pulling up the rankings. Mm-hmm. I think these WCA finals could be like, the best field in a while um or like the most exciting field in a while like um okay so let's see rankings you have um i'm gonna start with sabalenka because she's not one right now but she will be soon um so you have sabalenka sviantek gula rabakina jabur Gaw, garcia sakari maybe there's like a bit of a drop off in like seven or eight seven and eight there but like that top six holy crap um and then like I think in a lot of ways, like the WTA is more exciting than the ATP right now. Yeah. Like when Medvedev was beating Alcaraz, I tweeted something like, "It would be really good for tennis if Medvedev wins this because then you have like essentially a big three instead of a big two. And I got like twelve hundred likes or something <laughs> because like all the ATP had going for it this tournament was like jo- the promise of a Djokovic Alcaraz match, and then you had Ben Shelton. That was like 
basically all that happened in the ATP, right? Like, can you think of any other exciting storylines before Medvedev won last no, night? No, not really. The, the only the only thing that they had going for themselves was just like Instagrammable moments and TikTok moments with like the the phone like hanging out from Djokovic. Yeah. That was, and it's like not tennis related. It's like, right. it's pettiness related, like drama related, just yeah. fun. But it's in like, when, as I wrote as well, like in, in an article that I put, it's like, this is cool and take advantage of that. This was really yeah. fun. But the tennis was kind of tough. When I looked at the draw for Djokovic and then uh, at some point he just fell apart and I just saw like, well, we have three Americans in the quarterfinals on the, on the, yeah. on the bottom side. The bad news is that the other the other quarterfinalist is Djokovic. So I mean, right. yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I was trying to think of other like exciting moments on the men's side. I mean, I guess when Jarrah went up two sets on Djokovic, everyone was excited for like a minute. Yeah, it's so hard though because Jerry goes up two sets and it's like, wow, when can we go back and see that this happened before? Exactly. Okay, Djokovic just Djokovic just won all of those times. It's like right, um, yeah, and and like even the stacked half of the draw wasn't. I mean, he had Sinner's Zverev, but, like, because of Zverev, I think that was tough to enjoy. Um, yeah. So, like, he didn't get the Alcaraz-Sinner match. Yeah, I think besides Alcaraz, Medvedev, and, like, the Ben Shelton run, there is, like, you had nothing going on the men's side. And women's side, you had Ostapenko taking out Sviantec. Yeah. Um, Caroline yeah. come back, really. Yeah. Like, holy crap. She's like, this is a new comeback, and she gets to the fourth round and yeah. up a break in the third set against the woman who ended up winning the tournament. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was amazing. Um, yeah, I think you just had much more going on on the women's side. Like, you had Jabir trying to, you know, getting pretty deep in the draw despite being, like, visibly not well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, um, well, you had the battle for number one between um, Sabalenka and uh, and Sviantec. And, um, yeah, I think the men's side, it's just, like, it's so, so yeah. top-heavy right now. You have Djokovic and Alcaraz, and now you have Medvedev on hard courts, too. Everyone else is so far behind, man. Yeah. Like, I, like, everyone's like getting excited about Taylor Fritz because he wins four matches really easily. Like, he can't scratch Djokovic. Tsitsipas, I don't even know what his problem is at the U.S. Open. Um, you know, Sinner, Sinner's still not quite there in five setters. Like, it's there's a massive gap there, and the woman, I think that top level is like twice as big right now. Yeah, and it's it's funny how like you mentioned the race for number one. Which technically existed in the men's side, but like Djokovic just needed to win one match. So even that was like just exactly. completely boring because like you knew, you yeah. knew what was going to happen. Like there is right. a one in maybe like 10,000 chance that Djokovic is going to lose his first round match. Yeah. When was the last time this even happened? Like right. if that has yeah. even ever happened. Like, I mean, I'm not sure. But... Right. And, and I think like, and Djokovic has been number one for so long that it's like, I think the women's side was also compelling because Sabalenka had never been number one before, yeah. and Ika had like held it for so long at once yeah. that like it's like how long can she hold on to it, you know? But like Djokovic has had so many stints there; he's already been number one for longer than anyone else. So it's just like when I see that Djokovic is number one again, I'm like, okay, this just doesn't even matter anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's it's almost it's almost like oh, he's back in the top ten. It just it sounds like that at this point, but. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I I also just kind of going a little bit into a preview of tomorrow, like just talking about Medvedev, like I feel like it's so good that he's playing back, playing well again, yeah. because man, like he was the one guy who was the disruptor 
uh, in a good way. Um, for like most of 2020, 2019, even uh, 2021. And then he had all his problems. There was also the, the political issues that he couldn't play Wimbledon and whatnot. And then he just kind of fell away. Like he, he, I think he left the top 10 like at the beginning of this year. And then he, he he got he got back into it after like his like five title run five finals run, uh, he was like oh good Medvedev's back, but then Alcaraz reasonably put him back in his place in a way that <laughs> just oh okay so we are still sort of just talking about Djokovic and um, and Alcaraz Medvedev is a good third no so it's like but now he's like okay this guy is also back like he's he's coming back to claim his hardcourt specialist title. And he's not joking about it. And I think it's really fun to see Medvedev playing, playing well again. It's good to see yeah. that he's playing uh, Djokovic uh, in a final again. It's, it's, it's a. I particularly think that it's not going to be very close tomorrow. I'm not sure, entirely sure why. Maybe I'm not exactly like that sewed into Medvedev being a great player <laughs> all of a sudden yeah. again. So I'm just, I'm, I feel like I'm just being overly cautious about it. I would say maybe Djokovic in four. But it's like yeah. I really, I really want to believe in in an epic final tomorrow. I really do, and I think yeah. I would also be really happy if Medvedev do win win the title because I think it would be just very um, interesting for the whole um, ATP scenario, uh, end of the yeah. year and three way rivalry. It's gonna be really cool. I mean, that'd be a hell of a statement, right? Like everyone has been talking about Alcaraz and Djokovic nonstop since the French Open, and then you beat them both, like. That'd be pretty special. Um, it would be. And I see what you're saying about, like, you're not convinced it's going to be an epic final. I think, like, it's just harsh to play as well as Medvedev did two matches in a row. Yeah. Um, and, like, look, there's, like, a bit of a debate going around on Twitter of, like, is that the best he's ever played? Or, like, was the U.S. Open final two years ago better? Like, guys, this was so much better. Like, the U.S. Open final two years ago, Djokovic is fried. Medvedev has a great serving day, and he doesn't have to do that much else, right? This, like... He's winning forehand-to-forehand exchanges with Carlos Alcaraz. This matchup was death for him. He was completely uncompetitive at Wimbledon, completely uncompetitive at Indian Wells. Before that U.S. Open, like, he, Medvedev had matched up well with Djokovic before. Like, I know he got crushed at the Australian Open, but, um, like, he had played him tough before that, and he played badly at the Australian Open that year. Like, with Alcaraz, it just seemed like nothing he did was going to matter, and he came out with, like... Like, that was really, really special performance. Yeah. Like, the angles he was finding on the return, people, like, he had heard nothing but, like, move up on the return for, like, two years. And instead, he stays back there and just finds, like, the most beautiful angles on the return I've ever seen. Like, no, that this that was the best match in Meta Nice yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah. And, like, I think he can win the final. Like, he matches up well with Djokovic. Yeah. Um, Djokovic hasn't been tested. Um, I mean... I think if Medvedev plays that well again, he's going to win. Djokovic doesn't like the U.S. Open, so yeah. Uh, yeah. Could you imagine? Like, if this is Djokovic. I I just stumble up on this stat, like watching uh, the preview. I think, or maybe somebody tweeted that, and I think this is Djokovic's tenth final at the yeah, U.S. He's Open. Only won three of them. If he That's loses, insane. <laughs> yeah. Like, even if he wins this one, he's only got a forty percent success rate in the finals. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. And he, and it's funny, like, you look at his opponents and it's like, one loss to Federer, two to Nadal, and so you're like, okay. But then you have, um, Bobrinka, Medvedev, Murray, Murray um, 
Yeah, and that that's all of them. Um, yeah, and like at least a couple of those he really should have walked. Um, I I do think Djokovic is like a slight favorite. I feel like it's kind of like the French Open where like like a lot of people favored Alcaraz to win that semi, and Djokovic sort of just showed up and played like amazing tennis. Here, um, and I I kind of get the sense that a similar thing is going to happen, but like. Medvedev's a really hard guy to like beat easily. Yeah. I think it's going to be a war. Um, I do. You know, sorry? You want to pick? Oh, yeah. I already said it. I, I think it's going to be Djokovic in four. I think I think Djokovic... I think it's his time again in, in New York every so often. <laughs> yeah. Every every full, full solar eclipse, Djokovic comes in and wins New York again. But... Um, I think for in in terms of like just trying to be very reasonable in terms of like looking at how the semis uh, went and went by, um, I think there was best case scenario for Medvedev playing as well as he did, getting out of the court in like about like three hours. I think that was yeah. Um, after in in four sets after a horrible 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 situation in the quarterfinals uh, against uh, Rublev, um, people just like kept thinking like. Is is his body going to hold? Is it how much of an effect did it have? And I think this one proved that Medvedev still extremely fit. Um, and I think he was saying like, "Oh, I think um, uh, experts like I'd have vomited or like felt like really bad." And he goes like, "Great," or <laughs> something like that uh, in, a, in an interview. Uh, so just sort of like um, how he he said the thing about like um, about Rublev and the Australian Open after the like eighty shot rally or something. That Rublev right. won, but then lost the match because of that. I, and, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I not yeah. to bring up that tournament because I remember adamantly saying to you and Bob on this podcast that yeah. it's going to be uh, Djokovic, yeah, in the final. And uh, back then, I was uh, I, I was wearing the Medvedev glasses. Yeah, you know? it was uh, I I loved that man. Um, but I think yeah, I think the hype has worn off for me. Enough has happened in the last two years where I'm like, okay, he's got some work to do. And so I, I do want to pick him. Like, yeah. I think if he wins, it would be really, really, really special. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd be amazing. But I think... I think it's just too hard to play, like, that well for too much. Of the yeah. Um, I think there's a chance that Djokovic comes out and just, like... And look, he didn't have to do anything special against Shelton. He didn't, yeah. like... I don't think he played risky tennis for, like, one point of that match. He's, like, hitting everything down the middle. I guess he had some bad approaches on the third set. So I think, like, the step up in opposition is going to be much more dramatic for Djokovic than it is for Medvedev. That's something Medvedev has. Um, yeah. I think... This is really hard. I'm going to say Djokovic in five. Five? Yeah. I would, I'd be I'd be down for a five-setter. Like, seriously, even... It's always good. Um, I think if Medvedev wins, I think it's going to be in five. Um, but... Yeah, um, but yeah, I think I think Djokovic is going to unless the crowd is really not on his side, which he has proven to you know be um, able to control. But it's always a little tougher. I think the it only the, the third set against Shelton only got as close as he got because of the crowd. <laughs> yeah, um, but like, yeah, if if something happens, then but yeah, it's it's always cool to see those those guys playing together. I feel like it's it's gonna be a Hopefully, it's going to be a good match no matter what. But yeah, yeah. my pick is Djokovic in, in four. There's going to be a tie break in the middle. Um, yeah. 
I'd say Medvedev takes the the third set six one and loses like the the, the fourth the the fourth set. All right. Yeah. Um, like a 2011 Wimbledon final thing. Basically, yeah. You get six one one six in there. Yeah. Um, I think. Um, yeah. If, so if anyone listening to this isn't like familiar with like the Djokovic Medvedev rivalry, go watch their uh, match at the ATP Cup three years ago. Um, good highlights on YouTube. That is one of the best matches I've ever seen. Um, I think that was the best match of 2020. They do the way they move and the way they defend. There's like a point in the middle of the second set where Medvedev just like runs Djokovic back and forth for like 30 shots. Um, and at the end, he just wins it with like this no pace backhand winner into the open court because Djokovic is dead. And Djokovic is like hunched over for, you know, like 10 seconds after that point. It's amazing. I hope we see some of that. Yeah. I feel like it's going to be one of those matches where like at the start, the quality is like terrible. And then it just slowly gets better and better. And then towards the end, you're, everyone's going to be like, is this the best match of the year? And it's like, no, you idiot. Remember the first set. But I do think it's going to, I think it's going to build. Um, and I think the, I think the moment that decided the match is going to come late. Um, I think like usually when these two have played in majors, it's come early. Um, like you had uh, straight sets in the US Open final in 2021, straight sets in the Australian Open final, same year. Um yeah, I think maybe there'll be like a third set tiebreak or something like that, and then the winner of that is gonna kind of pull away. But yeah. I don't know. I think it's very hard to pick. Yeah. And uh, just to, to finalize, and I, I think I forgot to ask you that, but after the first set for Coco Golf Sabalinka, did you think that golf was gonna do it? Because you asked me this question, I don't think I threw it back to you. No. So I, I said before the match, it's either gonna be Sabalinka in two or golf in three. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I got that right. Yeah. Uh, when, yeah, when when golf served out that I I think after the first game of the third set I was like okay, play golf golf has this. Um, but no, after the first set I thought Sabalenko was too good. I mean I was saying to you on the space in the middle of the second set Sabalenko is like an unmovable object or like yeah yeah you didn't uh, see that. So yeah I no I didn't see it coming. I think. Uh, I mean, defense wins titles, you know? Like, yeah. you, you can defend that well over that long a period of time. Like, psychologically, it's hard to deal with. Um, and uh, I think Goff, that forehand isn't, like... It's not a great forehand, but she's become great at protecting it. Um, and even attacking with it when she can. So, um, yeah, I'm all the congrats to her. I'm, I'm really, really impressed. Yeah, same here. And as we said before, we're really excited for um, the rest of the season. And as you also were discussing just now, we are excited for tomorrow's match. Um, Hopefully I'll be able to upload this podcast very early this Saturday. So we'll see about that. But yeah, good um, quick uh, call in the middle of the, the finals weekend. But yeah, see you next week for the full recap of the tournament.